We have a wonderful guest, a wonderful friend, Marcus Steigert. Marcus doesn't like long introductions, so uh, I asked him if he wanted me to read his three-page bio. He said, please don't. So what he wants you to know is 26 years in ministry. He comes with Global Awakening. He's been working with Global Awakening. But 26 years in ministry, he has a passion to equip the saints, encourage the saints. We just did a seer workshop yesterday. It was amazing. He's good. Say it with me. He's going to be here tonight. We're going to be praying for the sick. Uh, anybody excited about that? Yeah? Come on. We're going to be believing God for that. But I want you guys to help me. And Marcus is the real deal. I will say this. This is a guy is straight up, loves Jesus, raw, flat out. I keep hearing Israelite in whom there is no guile. So there is no, there's nothing, there's nothing fake or phony about this guy. He's straight up in the real deal. So welcome with me, Marcus Tiger, please. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know that um, we're going to transition and some people are in, in process of getting sitting down. So I'm going to kind of do a, a few slight things before we get everybody here. And once again, my computer's not doing what it's supposed to do, so. How you doing? Good. How many people were here in the first service? Okay. All right, good. Okay. That just gives me a good idea how, what to do here. Um, because, uh, yeah, okay, I need a... <sighs> so, what I'm going to start with is here. Before I start, I didn't do this first service right away, which was wrong. Give you some time. If um, you can put up the slide, there's a QR code right here that's going to go up. Um, this is for the app. Um, I, during COVID, instead of, you know, we couldn't travel, instead of just sitting there twitting my thumbs, um, I developed this app. And, um, and literally, I wanted this app to work in a certain way. And, and when we do our tent meetings and whatnot, I help, it helps me track people with salvations and healings and what stuff. But also, it helps me during messages. So during the message, if you download this app, I'm okay with you being on your phones by looking at the app and getting the notes on it. If you click on the very top after you download it, the picture that says, what do you have? If you click on that, it'll give you all my sermon notes this morning. One of the biggest things about this is that I wanted you to be able to cultivate what we're teaching, what we're talking about, and then be able to download it onto your phone. So you could just click at the very end of the notes. It says save or email, I think it is. And um, you could send it to yourself, and then you have all the notes. So you could dive into this on your own later. I guaranteed first service and this service, I didn't hit every note that I put on there. That's for you to dive into later. Then after you get done with the ser service day, you could delete it off your phone. I don't do push notifications. It doesn't pop up asking you to donate and all that stuff. I don't do all that. Um, all that kind of stuff. It's mainly a tool so I can help you get more equipping and help you get more tools. Then there's a bunch of messages on there that you can watch too. So you good with that? So download that right now. You scan it. I'm standing in front of you. Sorry. You can scan it. The other thing I'm just going to mention real quick is um, Hunter, my son, who's over there. Wave Hunter. That's, that's my uh, middle child over there. He's 20 years old, a m wonderful young man. He's got his own brand, which we don't have here, but he also does our ministry um, merch and so what, what is the merch? It's just T-shirts and stuff, right? One, it, does, uh, it goes to making the ministry and helping us go to the places that we go. We do um, our, operate and give everything out. We go to a lot of places that can't afford to bring anybody in. And we go and bring a whole team. We went to a Latino church earlier this year. 13 people on my team. We went in, did a three-day conference for them, asked for nothing. We did it all, our, um, paid for everything ourselves. And this helps with part of that. But the other thing about it is it helps you become and have um, something that helps you evangelize and be able to reach out to people. 
one of the shirts over there says um, Shalom in Hebrew on it. So most Americans don't um, read Hebrew. And so they'll ask me. I wear, I wear all the clothes almost every day. You can ask my wife. Um, I, I have um, some of the early ones. I cut the sleeves off. That's what my son and I work out in. Um, literally, we just um, do it every day. This thing is really bothering me right now. I don't know why. I've been doing that for sure. Okay. Um, but I, I wear them all over the place. And I've had people on airplanes go, what does that mean? Like, you know, the flight attendant. Yeah, I said that right. I used to say the other word. I can't say anymore, right? No. But flight attendant, <laughs> um, you know, um, you know I, I usually board first because I fly so much, so I have, like, the status to board first. And so I'm sitting there, and these are the flight attendants just talking. And then they'll ask, what does that mean on your shirt? And I'll explain that means shalom, peace be with you. What is that, what is that from? It's, it's Hebrew. But it's, it's, it's also a greeting and, and, and talking about, um, you know, in, in the Jewish culture, they say shalom to each other when they come and go. And it's also talking like we we're talking with this gentleman over here about being prosperous in your life, prosperous in your day. But it's also the peace of Jesus. And I started explaining it to her. And, you know, I'm like this one I'm thinking of right now, she's in tears for my passion for the peace of Christ. It opens up doors. It gives us ability. So that's what they're like for. I want to... Um, um, Pick on my brother over here. I forgot your name. Sorry, man. Um, a little bit. He's wearing an ambassador shirt. Go ahead and stand up. What's your name? Clinton? Quinn. Quinn. I, I know I met him yesterday, and I already forgot his name. He's wearing this ambassador shirt, but um, at, the, at our gym. Did a model walk for us. Yeah, there we go. I'm hiring him to start doing a model. Um, but um, I, I wear the ambassador shirt so much that um, my, our local gym called me ambassador. They didn't even know my name. But you stay right here. I'm still going to pick on you a little bit. Um, they didn't know my name. They knew me as ambassador. Isn't that funny? All the, all the, the trainer, he come, the ambassador, the guys at the, um, the desk, there's the ambassador. And they, they, after a while, they got to know my name. But, and they asked me, what does that mean? So I get to tell them. And on the back of it, it's in it to win it. What is a perfect place at a gym, a bunch of meatheads, in it to win it. You know, and I, can, I actually open up and start talking to people about it. I even had people like where Peyton was walking through the gym, and um, a lady looked at it. And goes, man, that is an amazing shirt that young man's wearing. I wish more people would wear stuff like that. But I want to talk to Quinn real quick and get off the merch. But um, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you a couple of things. I've seen you. I'm um, during worship in the first service, and I was like, man, I need to talk to him. And then I asked pastor if this is okay, so I asked it's okay. But I, I want us to bless you because um, God is calling you to be a holy fire for the gospel, literally an evangelist to call to reach people that can't be reached. And there's some things I want you to know. The fire that you have right now, the, the holy hunger that you have right now, you need to steward that, and you need to build that up. You need to get under, under the leadership, get under training, get equipping, but do not let your fire be stoked. Do not be like, no matter what life throws at you, and you've been through some stuff, but life, no matter what the enemy tries to remind you of, don't let that fire stop, because that holy fire that you have inside of you is the blaze trails and areas that people don't reach, even people like me, people like pastor, people that they can't be reach unless it's by someone like you that's been transformed and brought out of the pits that you've been in and God wants to utilize you to reach the loss so father just leave here put your hand towards Quinn here Father, I bless Quinn. Father God, I thank you for pulling him out of the pits. Pulling him out of the pits of despair and the pits of, of mental anguish. Father God, we just say there's a complete renewing of the mind in the name of Jesus Christ. We just declare that this evangelistic call on his life will just start burning on his feet through his whole body. That he'll start literally being ablaze with the gospel, a hunger for the full gospel, Father God. That you'll set him underneath the leadership, underneath the training and equipping that he needs, Father. And that you 
you literally bring them up and give them the tools that he needs to do and you be able to take to these people that we can't reach but you called Quinn to reach that he's going to expand the kingdom into heaven and the dark places and he's going to lead these people into the light and break the chains of bondages on their life and Jesus name start replicating and duplicating what's been in his life and the others that are still chained in Jesus name amen 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 thank you Quinn Thank you for being a model. I mean, that was good. We, I might do that in another church. I've never done that before. All right. So um, real quick, I, I, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, I'm honored to be in the house. I don't take it for granted ever when I'm preaching, um, especially on a Sunday morning, not at a conference. I don't take it for granted. I thank you so much, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Sherry, for having us here, having a team here. Um, it is an honor. It is a true honor to be here. Um, they're amazing people. Give it up for your pastors. Come on. They're amazing people. I mean, seriously, amazing people. And um, I just want to give you a part of something. And Matt could go, haha. Um, but this is just a part of something. But I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like you can't say it all, you know, understand. But I can say this that God's saying, do not be in despair of these humble beginnings. Do not be in despair of the resistance that you're having right now. Do not be despaired in all the junk that's been trying to be thrown at you right now because God has you here for a reason. There is a reason that he's going to be breaking the grounds and the barriers in this city, in this area, in this region. Literally, he wants to do a mighty work here in Miami. You're key to it. You're one of the pillars that he's established here. There's other pillars he's going to line you up with. I don't know who they are, but you know, God's going to line you up with where you can connect and start taking over this city for the kingdom of heaven. That Miami doesn't have to be that party night atmosphere that we see up um, on, um, by the hotel, right? It's going to be a place where people know they can go and experience the love of God. They can experience the grace of God. This house is a ground that God told me. He goes, this is good soil. Drop your seeds. This is good soil. Y'all been tilling and breaking ground. I know it's been hard. Breaking ground is not easy, but this is good soil. You made it ready for the seeds. You made it ready to be planted, and you planted your own seeds. Other seeds are being planted in. I'm planting seeds this weekend. Mike, other people are coming. God is planting seeds here because a harvest is coming that he's called for this kingdom expansion to be through elevating Miami and through Elevation Church. So everybody just put your hands towards your pastors. It's hard work, people. I just pray for grace. I pray, Father God, that you just uh, literally just start giving refreshing and renewing to these wonderful pastors, Father, Pastor Sherry and Pastor Kevin. I declare, oh, them, Father God, that you would literally renew their strength. Give them your strength because it's not by our strength. It is by your strength. Give them your faith, Father God. Not by our faith, but your faith. Give them your vision, Father God. Vision for the city. Vision for Miami. Vision to elevate Miami. Vision for elevate church and Jesus name I declare Father God that you just refresh restore renew open up doors Father God open up favor Father God on their personal lives and in the church in the name of Jesus Christ provision for the vision but also provision for the home in the name of Jesus Christ release the kingdom of heaven's treasure room upon them in Jesus name amen amen you can ask my kids. I don't do that a lot, but I really felt, I, anyway, I can't say much. So, All right. 
Man, wasn't worship good? Wow, I mean, come on. I, I don't know if you know, um, but, you know, just stand with me for a second. We're going to pray right here because, you know, I got to get my mind off the prophetic and get into the word. Um, uh, both is the same for today. Um, but, you know, I, I'm telling you during worship and the worship team, um, and, and not that I, I, I don't, you know, I, I love the guitar riffs and, you know, um, just, you know, that, that, that young man that was over here in the corner, <laughs> he was jamming. Um, I don't know what his name was, but, um, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, but it's so good, but also just the, the, the literally the power of God that's in worship. Worship is not the opening act. It's not the warm-up. Worship is the key. Do you understand where you're at? When we go into thanksgiving and praise, we literally just enter the courts of heaven. Oh, come on. That should blow your mind. When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, we go into worship. We enter the kingdom of heaven at hand. What's possible in the kingdom of heaven? Everything. All things. What disease is in the kingdom of heaven? Come on, we need to understand when we're declaring these words and we're praising Jesus and we're thanking Jesus and we're declaring the Lion of Judah the roar. I mean, come on. Like, seriously, we need to understand that we're making declarations that's causing a shift in the kingdom, a shift in the darkness, a shift of light coming in here. We're exploding literally outside these walls. It's not contained in here because it goes out. We, our voices, are, are the sounds that we put out continue to go. Even though that you can't hear it with your ears, the enemy can hear it with his because he knows that there's power in our praise. Wow. Oh. Everybody put your hands like this. Father God, thank you. Thank you for inhabiting our praise. Thank you, Father God, for being in this place, for your spirit to be here, for the grace and the Holy Spirit to just full, full, this fully pouring upon your people, their worship. It was beautiful. It was amazing, Father God. I thank you, Father God, that you're with us. You're for us, that we have entered your courts through thanksgiving and praise. Father, refresh us, renew us, strengthen us, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor for this time. Let your word penetrate our hearts, our minds. Let it just resonate with our souls. That we are activated, that we are equipped to go out and do more for the kingdom of God. And everybody repeat after me. Holy Spirit. Have your way. Amen. 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 Sit down. Sit down. Thank you. Um, since you said, Holy Spirit, have your way, um, you know, you gave permission. So let's go. I'm going to try to um, do this message and, um, and then give you another message afterwards. Are you good for that? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, when you go to, you know, order a burger the single patty looks pretty good, but then the double patty, I'm really hungry right now. That looks a little bit better, right? So you want a double patty today? <laughs> we'll see how long this lasts. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not going to go till four, maybe. Look, we have another service, right? And some of the people are like, you know, trying to get to this door. No, I'm just kidding. I know that we're at um, that time of day. Everybody starts getting their mind going towards other things, and I just talked about food. So, um, all right. Ah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we have the wrong one here. Um, 
I am going to talk about what do you have. Now, that might sound like, um, you know, the, the, like, what can you give me? You know, what do you have? What, do you, what, what can you give me? And that sounds like, hey, what do you have? What can you give me? No, God wants to ask us a question today. What do you have that I can multiply? What do you have that I can bless? What do you have that can be literally something that will advance the kingdom of God, but if you let me have it, I will bless it? What do you have? Well, some of us are thinking about it right now, and we're like, well, I don't have hardly anything. I don't have much of anything. Have you been in that season? I'm in that season. (laughs) Well, we have little. Like when, you know, AC unit breaks at home in the middle of the heat wave. And I know that y'all know heat. I'm from Texas originally. So, I mean, spent 40 years in Texas. Live in Pennsylvania now. My wife and my daughter are at home. I didn't introduce some of those guys over there. Sorry. But, you know, I got Guy with me. And then Guy wave. He's going to pray for y'all tonight. Watch. Um, and then Hunter over there. That's my son. And then Peyton, my other son. Um, he's a media guy that takes pictures. And then Joseph's over there somewhere hiding. He'll probably, um, you know, um, pray for you and prophesy over you. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm calling out the prophetic in him. All right. So, um, but, you know, these guys are traveling with me and being part of um, what we're doing. And, you know, some of them are going through all their own things, but they give up time and they pay their own way to come here. And then, you know, um, my sons, you know, they're my sons and they're part of the ministry. The ministry can't pay them. And so my wife and I help pay for their cost to travel over here or their room in the hotel whatnot. And um, so, you know, I mean, we're in a mess, though, right now. We have all kinds of stuff going on. It, it's a good excuses sometimes, right? When you have stuff going on, like, God, I really can't do that because I don't have much, right? I'm going to give you just a brief overview. I um, Literally, we had the AC unit go out in the middle of the heat wave of Pennsylvania um, where, you know, it was like 95 degrees. <laughs> you know, they, they actually put out announcements, don't go outside and that, you know, drink a lot of water. I'm like, yeah, I don't know heat. But it's still, it's hot. And then, you, you know, we also had our water heater broke. That's, that's a fun one. Um, and then we have um, uh, Hunter's car. He calls from work. He can't start his car. His, his starter actually went completely out there in the parking lot. We had to tow it to the house. We don't pay for mechanics. I got to do the work myself. So I get under there and start breaking apart everything. And um, there's a lot of issues that I found under there. It took um, a lot more time than it should. Um, then, you know, um, Peyton's truck, he's driving the truck. It broke down. We actually were working on the truck. Um, this week before coming here, we had to take the valve covers out, do a bunch of work on it um, so we could drive it to Washington to fly. You know, we got that going on. Um, you know, we, um, my, my wife hurt her back. My daughter hurt her back. Um, I hurt my hip. <laughs> you know, this is all in the last few months. Like, serious stuff going on. Peyton, you know, he, um, he, he researched and then he planned and he bought um, a purebred cat. Yeah, he likes cats. It's okay. Um, you know, we have some cats. They're beautiful cats. Um, but um, he, and the cat eats something. I don't know if it was a Nerf ball or something and it almost dies. Wow, a lot going on. It's, it's, it's like that moment, you know, like in that movie that um, Pastor Sherry loves. It's like I have no job. I have no money. And my bird's head's falling off. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. If you don't know that reference, she'll tell you about the movie. She Dumb and dumber. She hates that movie. <laughs> I like picking. Um, just go talk to her about Dumb and Dumber. She'll love it. Um, but no, I mean, seriously, and I lost a contract. So I do contract work to help provide for the family. I lost a six-figure contract um, six weeks ago. That was a big hit, right? But yet, I'm still here. It'd be a good excuse with all that going on. 
you know, we might need to reschedule and put it off a little bit longer, Pastor Sherry, because, you know, I mean, life is just hitting me hard right now. Some people will be like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's just not right timing. We would do it. In a, I'm like, God, no, have you called me to go? Yes, I'll go. What do I have? I have my time. You know, what do I have? I have a little bit of resources. God, take it, multiply it. What are, what are we doing? I mean, are we allowing Satan to completely go and just com- stop the progression of the kingdom of heaven expansion because of our lack? Oh, my word. I remember I was in a meeting. I, I traveled with Dr. Randy Clark and um, Dr. Tom Jones and Global Awakening. If you're not familiar with it, go ahead and um, look them up and get part of it. Pastor Sherry, Pastor Kevin, I help you look them up. Um, I traveled with them for a while. And I remember that we were talking about some stuff and in a meeting about some of the expansions that they're actually done already. But um, it, was, it was like, you know, we got to spend, you know, $500,000 here. The, and, you know, buildings will cost $3.5 million and this and that. And it's a lot of money, and we have to raise money. And I don't know if we're going to do that. You know, that t- type of talks. And I, it just came out of my mouth because that was just my mentality. Are we going to let something as common as money stop what God wants to do? And some of you are like, wait, money is not common. Yes, it is. Money is common. Pretty much everybody in here has some kind of money. It might be down to your last dollar, but you got something. Like, money is common. Why we we let lack of resources stop the kingdom of heaven? Do you think there's lack in the kingdom of heaven? Or do you think that God can't do anything with what you have? Do you think that, like, I mean, it's like, um, well, God, I, I, I only have my time right now, so there's not much I could do because I can't afford to buy a tent or whatever he's called you to do if he's called you to tent meetings or whatnot i can't afford um, to do these things what what can i do god's like you can walk outside you could talk to your neighbor not yell at them you know how about this one i've done this where you know i'm sitting in traffic in houston anybody ever been to houston texas Seven million people in the city. They need to put up signs over there. Do not move to Houston. We're full. I lived in Houston. From my, my house to my office that I was working at was 22 miles. It took me two to two and a half hours in the morning and the evening to drive. It's a parking lot. You got 14-lane highways and nothing's moving. You're sitting in a parking lot. Like, what can I do right now, God? I mean, I'm just wasting my time here. Well, why don't you worship? You got a radio. Or how about this? Why don't you pray for those people that you're driving next to? What? You could do that? You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to know them. You don't have to know what's going on. But then the Holy Spirit can reveal what to pray for so you can intercede with the Holy Spirit for what they need. And they can have life encounter changes without you doing a thing in their lives. What? Yes. You can do that. If Jesus could tell um, the um, man that, no, go, your child's healed, and before he even gets home, he gets word that child's healed, and Jesus never went. You think that we could pray for people and stuff happen? I'm going to give you a testimony of this, how this works. I had a lady come up to me in a conference, and she really wanted me to go to a hospital to pray for her daughter. And um, I couldn't leave the um, conference to go pray for her daughter. She really wanted me to go. And um, she had, the daughter was dying of kidney disease, was in the hospital, ki- complete con- kidney failure, and um, she um, really needed a kidney 
Um, but they can do a transplant. She's dying. Dialysis was um, on the last valve or whatever you call it. I can't remember all the technical terms. But I told the mother, we could pray for her here. She kind of disappointed about it. You know, but I said, stand in proxy. What that means is you're standing in the place for that person. We prayed. I declared over her daughter, over her. She left. You know, thank you so much. Kind of like that. Ah, thank you. You know, that, that Christian thank you thing um, that we do. You know, kind of walked away. And then um, later in the conference, it was like a four-day conference, she came back. And she, she came yelling, screaming, Marcus, 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 Marcus. And you wouldn't believe, like, all my daughter's numbers have changed. Literally, the doctors are saying her kidneys are producing again. They're working again. I don't know. God just intervened. And right, I never went to the hospital. I never laid hands on the, the daughter. You can do that, too. Did you know that? You are called to do that. It's not just for Marcus or Pastor Kevin or somebody with a title before their name. It is a Christian, a born-again believer's call to be like Christ. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me would do what I did, and he would do even greater things. What? Jesus said the qualification is, is if you believe in him, you do what he did. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cast out the demons. He delivered. He set people free. Do you need me? Okay. See, he's so kind about it. Peyton would have came up here and just yanked it off my face. I mean, literally, I mean, uh, <laughs> so fun. He's a... <laughs> Love Hunter. I mean, I, honestly, like, we, we need to realize who we are and what we are. We are children of God, sons and daughters of God. I'm not going to get in preaching about healing right now. Tonight, come tonight. I'm telling you, come tonight because God wants to heal people. Uh, in the last few years, I've seen over 80 some um, creative miracles, people that get new organs, new body parts where there's nothing there. Literally, people watching online, whoever's watching online, bless you. Um, people online watching, I didn't even say the word of pray for gallbladders, get new gallbladders. How does God do that? I don't know. We're just going to bless it and go for healing tonight. Right? Come on. If you know someone's sick, bring them. But you, you are called to do this. You are called. No, not, you don't have to be on the stage to do this. You can pray for people at your home. You can pray for people in the street. You can pray for people in the grocery store. If you are here yesterday, you heard David Bennett talk. He prays for people on Wall Street, on the trading floor, and people get healed, set free, and delivered. You are called. John 20, 21 says that, you know, just as the Father sent me, this is Jesus talking, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Jesus is sending you. He's called you. Think about that. That statement should radically shift and change your thinking and perspective because God sent Jesus to restore man to the original design of, of, of being in relationship, being in covenant with him as a father, the creator, walking and talking in the garden, and, and then sin came in and broke it. And literally God to, to, to said, Jesus, you're going to go. And he sent the word to come and be Emmanuel, God with us, incarnated um, God in in the man's flesh and he came and died on the cross for our sins he died for you and just as a father sent him to restore man to the right place and justify and righteousness and read romans that's where i'm preaching right here 
and stand in the righteousness to uphold the law, to fulfill the law because we couldn't. He sent him as the answer for us to be redeemed to the Father. He is sending you as an answer for somebody's issues in this world. Wow. There are people that you're running into, people of influence that there's no pastor, there's no preacher, there's no um, Sunday school teacher. We don't do that anymore, but I'm old school. Um, you know, there's no people that you literally, like, we can't reach because you have the influence of the area that you're in. God has given you a field to work. Are you working your field? Well, I don't have much. Marcus, I don't have much. I don't have much time. I don't have much money. That is an excuse of the devil. I'm sorry. That is the excuse of the devil. Because not having too much time, not having too, too much money is one of those crazy things. You could get a lot of these notes on my on the app. I'm, I'm, I've gone off the rails, but that's okay. I'm going to stay here. You know, in Mark chapter 8, literally, it talks about what Jesus did in there with having little. Read it. But Jesus is there, and he's, he, he, one, he has compassion on the crowd. There's a crowd that has gathered there. They've been there with three days with him. They have very little food, very little water. I mean, like, they're just there, there just wanting to have a touch, and he gets compassion on them because they don't have nothing to eat. And he asked the disciples, well, what do you have? Well, we only have a few loaves, a couple fish. Wow. Like, can we get in that place? One is that we have compassion. I'm not... Move that side note to that, to the end, the compassion of Christ. But remember that. But the other one is like, answer the call of God. What do you have? You have the ability to serve. Ooh, I know that's hard. Serve in children's church. Serve in the youth ministry. Serve in the church. Yes, help the house. Get ready for the harvest. There's a harvest coming. Give some of your time up. I still serve when they let me. I have to sneak it now at my local church. I kind of just go in, and when I, they're having a conference or something, I'll go in and get a vest and be out in the parking lot parking cars, and they don't know it. Then the lead guy will be like, what are you doing out here? I'm like, parking. Leave me alone. I want to serve. Still, well, you have, you're a certain status. I can't stand that. It don't matter what status you are. You can be the president of the United States, and I still tell you you need to serve. I don't care who you are. You should serve. Be an example. My project managers and uh, office managers always train them. If you're not out there uplifting and equipping and helping your staff get better, you're not doing your job. You're not lording over people. You're there to help them. Anyway, we're all called to serve. What are you doing with your time? I have little time. I, I could understand that. I'm going to give you an um, example of that. I was um, working disaster mitigation for those that don't know. Um, I, I'm also did ministry for 26 years, but in the last 22 years, I've done executive management. God put me there. The favor of God, pastor was um, preaching that during the message of offering today, and it's really true. God will give you favor and promotions, even though you don't deserve it or haven't earned it. I've seen it in my life. I've literally sat on boards where um, they're just making fun of people without education, and I don't have any education. I'm just a street kid from the south side of San Antonio, Texas, but God has taken me, and I give him whatever I have, and he's put me in places of influence and places where literally Washington, D.C. is having meetings and sending officials to me in Texas to ask my opinion on things come on 
That is a power of God. It has nothing to do with me. It's all God's favor, right? And I'm working disaster mitigation, and I was working after Hurricane Matthew. Um, and what basically what it is is I babysit all the adults that are supposed to do the work, FEMA, the contractors, and the municipalities, because they all seem to try to rip off the federal government and funds. And so the government said they need an engineering firm to oversee it, and I worked for an engineering firm. So I'm working on disasters when they happen you're on call you're uh, working all day i worked um you know in the hilton head area for about um 20 hours or 21 hours a day because we had night ops going on i was only certified safety manager in the area so while contractors are working at night a safety manager is required by law to be there so i had to be there all night but then i had to be with city officials during the day then i had to be with managers during the day i had no time to sleep but i give god whatever i have what time do you have? I'll give you whatever I have, God. I'll be driving in between things. And like this one time, um, just came to remembrance, I'm driving, and God, God says, turn here. I'm like, I have a place to go. But no, turn here. But I'm always ready with whatever I have. Whatever I have. And I forgot one part of this. I do this thing with God. I leave everything to his. I don't care how much money I have, how little money I have. If he tells me get some money and take it for a walk, I will take it for a walk. What does that mean? Like this was one of those. He asked um, God, I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on me, get $358, I think it was, somewhere in there, $385. I might have my numbers mixed up. But I got a certain amount of money like that out of the bank and put it in my pocket. And it's one of those things where, you know, I had to have a certain amount of money to get through the weeks and pay for things till I got reversed. And my, my wife was like, well, if it's God, you'll be okay. If it's you, well, it's going to be a hard couple of weeks. I love her. But um, I just put it in my pocket, and I just go, go about my time. And it, it, whenever God's going to lead it, and a few days pass, and then I'm driving down the road, and it's like, turn here. I'm like, okay, I'm turning here, you know. Sometimes, it, you know, I wait a little bit long to turn, and he gives you enough time notice. You don't have to drive recklessly, people, please. All right. So I turn, go a few blocks, turn here. Go a few blocks, turn here. Park right here. Go up here. Now, I went up to the door, and I... And, and I um, it was like asking, you know, the name um, is Hammer here. You know, I know Hammer left, but, um, you know. Uh, it was as, asking some, uh, I forgot the name. I really wish I wrote these down. I didn't take a picture at the door and a picture with a person and put it on Facebook and so I could remember it. Um, no, is that why y'all do that? No. Um, I don't have that written down, but um, it, it was a weird name. It felt weird. So I knock on this door. It's a duplex. I knock on this door and I ask for this name. The guy that opens, he goes, no. I don't want to hear it like that. I say, oh, okay. And I'm like, maybe I missed it. And I turn around. Sometimes you miss it. It's okay. And then I, I hear the thought, ask him if he knows him. I'm like, hey, um, do you know anybody you know, named Hammer? He goes, yeah, he lives next door. I was just at the wrong door. I took a right instead of a left. That person needed um, help with um, some financial issues and um, was physically hurt and needed um, some prayer, they lost job, a wife lost job um, because of the hurricane, prayed with them, helped them get electricity on. They needed the exact amount of money that I had in my pocket from three days, four days, whatever it was that I was taking for a walk. I didn't have much time. But yet there's this older couple that's in desperation. And they're waiting. They're praying. They're seeking provision. And because I'm a willing vessel, God's poured something into it. It was just a little bit. I don't have much. I have much time. I don't have much money. 
but I'm willing to give it away and go. And then their lives are changed because they know the living God hears them, sees them. Can you imagine? You, you could do this on your own too. Like, I mean, I've done it. I mentioned this in first service that literally, but we've had times where I was working and getting paid a pastor's salary, which is amazing, $218 a week with three kids and a wife and take care of. And yeah, that's not good. Um, and so I'm trying to make ends meet with my contract work and whatnot, but we had no food. Literally nothing for the next day. And my wife and I are just talking about it and praying about it. And like, what's going on, God? Why are we here? We felt like we were like Joseph in the pit. You've given us words, and then we got thrown into the pit. Oh. And we're in the pit. And like, what's going on, God? And we're praying. And then, you know, as a man, I'm feeling like even, this, even worse. I'm supposed to be the provider. I'm supposed to be the go-getter and making things happen. And then I'm going walking outside all frustrated and walking to the porch. And there on the porch is bags of groceries now there's nobody that knows what we're going through because at that time especially in the bible belt you don't talk about stuff from stage pastor's supposed to have everything together they're not having problems because you know they're apostle whatever we're human we have issues we're trying to make it too they're trying to make it don't just think that, oh, just, everything's just all for them. No, the enemy's trying to break them down. Pray for them. Whoever it was, I don't even know who it was to this day. God impressed on their heart to go to the grocery store, to buy a bunch of groceries, put it on our porch. And they actually fed our family and their kids for um, like a week or so. And they took the time and the money, what little they had, and blessed the family. And I don't even know their names. What? Man, even on that one right there, like, can you think about that? Like, doing things without having your name being stamped on it? Ooh, come on. I want y'all to see Jesus. I want y'all to see Jesus. So with this crowd that, you know, Jesus had compassion on, they took what he, little they had, and Jesus took it and thanked for it. An example of Jesus you take what little you have, we have a few loaves. He takes it and thanks the Father for it. If Jesus has the time to stop and say, no, let's thank the Father, what we have. You know, those, those few loaves were not going to feed the 4,000 sitting in front of him, plus women and children. It wasn't going to feed them. It's just a few loaves. It wouldn't even feed the disciples. But he's like, thank you, Father, for what we have. <sighs> that principle right there, we, as Americans, we just don't get it. We, we've got to get to where we understand that, you know, in this city, I can tell you this because the way I grew up, I know in this city, there's people living on the streets, kids living on the streets, people with nothing. I've been in that place living in a storm drain tunnel, been in that place where I'm dumpster diving, trying to get food, begging for get food. If I see a piece of something on the ground, I'll eat it. I've eaten crawfish out of a creek just to survive. I've eaten snakes and rabbits just to survive. In this country, this happens. This is not third world. This is here. What if we were that actual take that word? Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Oh, what if we took that? You're an answer for somebody. Somebody's out there in desperate need right now. Why isn't God doing anything? Why aren't you intervening, God? 
God's like, I did. I sent you. Are you listening? Are you taking what little you have, thanking me for it, and allow me to do what happened next in this story in Mark? Where Jesus took it and said, set it before them. And they all ate and were satisfied. You ever eat until you're satisfied? Oh, Thanksgiving Day, think about that. Eat until you're satisfied. Little too much. Little food coma coming on. Come on, they ate till they're satisfied. And then there was leftovers. Come on, I have done it plenty of times where I have nothing. God tells me to give it away. I give it away, and then I come back to abundance. What? Or, or I'm in need of healing. Like, I mean, this literally happened to me. I was in need of healing. I'm praying for people. I need healing on my own. Um, long story short, I had um, tumors in my neck, uh, growths in my neck that they had found. One of my vocal cords, the enemy was trying to stop me from speaking. The doctors told me I should never speak again. I need speech therapy to control it so I don't damage my voice. They couldn't take it off. The surgeon looked at it, and they couldn't take it off because it was on the cords. Anyway, long story short, I'm praying for people for some of the same things that I have, and they're getting healed. A lot of people say, why are you praying for people? You need to pray yourself. Now, my human body is breaking down. I haven't got the perfect body yet. That's in heaven waiting for me. I tried to get it on earth. I haven't got the answer on that one yet. I think it said wait. But my body breaks down too. I have issues too. The enemy comes after me too. There's things I do to hurt myself also. I mean, like there's just things. But I still go and pray. I have prayed for people and seen people healed of the, and I'm, I'm in pain myself, and they're getting healed of all the pain in their body, getting, and I'm like, praise Jesus. Because it's not about what I'm getting right there. It's about what God's called me to do right there. Oh, if we could get to the understanding that, like, our perseverance is actually will be easy to get through these storms, and this is a side note, rabbit trail, but this is for you is literally get through the storms. It's understanding your relationship with God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, does not depend on your situation. What you get out of it, Jesus is not an ATM, what I need at the moment. Jesus is your friend. He is someone that says, you are a joint heir with me in the kingdom of heaven. When I go to the Father, I say, Father, I know her, I know him. This is one of your children. Come on. It doesn't matter what I have, what I need. My relationship doesn't change there because I'm grounded in the fact I know that I know that I'm a child of God. And I know that he's with me in the storm. He's with me in the pits. He's with me in the valleys. And he can use me even though I'm in a pit. And God did heal me of those masses. When they were looking at doing the surgeries and everything, they all disappeared. Doctor's like, What? No joke. I'm, yeah, praise God. This is, this is what the doctor's official diagnosis was. And, and um, I like to joke with this because my doctor quit. Um, he literally quit right after this. He said, your body reset itself. Now, he knows what I do. Your body reset itself. I was like, is that a medical diagnosis that the body can reset itself? He goes, yes. I was like, um, I need to get a little bit of explanation. He goes, Look, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it. (laughs) 
you know, I mean, still in the midst of whatever we're at, wherever we're at, we could give God what we have. You got that? You understand that? It will change people's lives. I want to give you this story about this, and then we're going to shift, and I'm going to give you the other meat patty. I want to give you this story about this because um, it, it's, it's one that, I mean, rocks my soul today because it reminds me of the compassion of Christ. It reminds me that I need to have compassion. There are people hurting all around us in this very room that feel completely alone and discarded, never seen, never noticed, in your schools. And men, geez, don't want like to talk about it, the highest suicide rate. This desperate need for someone to have compassion. I was working up in um, South Dakota, and um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I was working what's called an ice storm. I know you're not familiar with that here, um, but <laughs> where it freezes after light rain and everything breaks, basically. It's like snap. Sounds like shotguns going off as trees are snapping, falling to the ground, branches, had stuff. I mean, literally a tree fell through a Domino's driver's car, um, went through, and it, the engine was crushed into the pavement. Um, the guy survived. Um, he had injuries, but he survived. But um, it is a crazy, crazy scene. Um, hundreds and hundreds of contractors and people. I was working crazy hours all day, every day. I'm like, you know, 20-hour days again, no time, no sleep, this really needy client that's a city manager, and I'm like going crazy. I even asked God, like, where are you in this, God? You know, we still have those moments, even though I've seen miracles, signs, and wonders and whatnot. You know, I'm like, God, what are you at in this moment? God sent me a dove. Show the dove. I took a picture of this dove because it was crazy. This is like, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. I was just like complaining to God, kind of praying, complaining about my situation. And I walk out, and there's this Bell Bonds place where they, you know, you can see all the cars there. They arrest people every time they go in. Um, and their cars would sit there. But I, I look over, and this dove lands next to me. Now, this is, a, this is not a dove you see in the wild, for one. And, I mean, you're not going to see it flying around Sioux Falls where, I mean, it's cold and miserable. But anyway, this dove lands next to me. I was able to take out my phone and take a picture of it. I almost put my hand on it. And then it flew away. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. Just a reminder you're with me. And reminded me, okay, what do you want me to do here? And so I started paying attention. And God said, you know what, drive out to one of the farthest outposts. I don't have a reason to be out there. But long story short, I went. And in these places, there's these towers, and we have employees there, and they're far out. They had to bring their lunch with them and all this. And I go up to one of the employees. Now, he's got a field manager over him. He's got an ops manager over the field manager. The ops manager has a project manager over him. And then there's me. So I have no reason to talk to him right? My job doesn't call for it, but Jesus called for it. So I went up and talked to him. Hey, how are you doing? Just simple. I didn't go up and say, you know, I'm bringing you the good news. Come on, we could be real with people. I went up and talked to him. And then, um, you know, I, I was just like, oh, okay, that was nice. Two, three minutes. Said hi. 
he was kind of weirded out. You know, why is the boss out here? He's come to fire me, you know, that type of thing. He, even some of the managers are asking me why we're out there. And they, they were doing something wrong. And, but anyway, I, you know, just a few minutes. And then like a week goes by and the Holy Spirit reminds me, hey, go out there again, but stop by Hardy's this time. Take him a hot meal. So I did. Take him a hot meal and go talk to him. Just a few minutes. Give him, I just want you to have a hot meal. I know you have to take a lunch. You know, do it like once a week, maybe sometimes twice a week. Then I found out, you know, he's living in his car. Like, well, maybe I can help him there. And so I talked to the city manager. We find a place that he could rent out. It's really cheap, just a little tiny little room, a little bed, and help him get a place, you know, and, and just go out and talk to him. And we talked about life issues and things he's, you know, going through. And, yes, I didn't, I didn't like, just, you know, continue to quote scripture at him, but I shared my love for Christ and that God loves him, you know, with him. And this, uh, God saw him. God, you know, told me to come and talk to you, you know. And, you know, about four months passed by, and at the end of these projects, I would leave eventually, go home, and, um, and then, um, you know, managers would take over that are under me so I could be with my family because most times my boys would tell you that, you know, I was gone for eight weeks at a time and come home for two days and have to go back. You know, because there's just really not time off in the disaster. And, um, and so I needed to be home. So I have a big meeting to talk about who's in charge of what. And then I'm leaving. And then he's in the back of the room and he's crying. And I see him and I go, you know, when I'm walking out, I see him. I walk over to him and say, hey, man, you okay? And he's crying. And 49-year-old man, I was like 32 at the time. And he's just tears running down his face. And he's like, I don't want you to leave. I still picture his face every time I talk about this. It's horrible to think about. There's people out there that never had compassion. And he's crying. I said, don't worry about it. I talked to the management. I'm, literally, they're going to work you as long as possible. And I've also talked to some of the city, city managers. They're going to see what they could do, maybe get you in something over there. He goes, no, that, that's not it, man. You're the only person that's ever treated me like a human not just a dog he was judged because of the color of his skin judged by his situation judged by mistakes that he was ma he made and he was treated like worthlessness and felt worthless but yet because I, I said God you have whatever I have if it's a few minutes to go by Hardee's and then drive out there and come back I will do it I'll spend time talking to whoever you want me to talk to as he got to know the compassion of Christ and the love of God he was seen and experienced love for the first time at 49 there's people out there that you're the answer for you're called to talk to. What do you have? And I know you have excuses. I'm going to end and shift with what the excuses are. I'm not good enough. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mess I'm in. These are excuses the enemy likes to give us. Because it stops us. Let's be honest. When we hear those words, and sometimes the spoken words over us of, of parents that say you're, you're just not good enough, or you're worthless, or you're a mistake, or whatever, and they come back and they hinder us in the future. Sometimes we have to understand the compassion of Christ extends to us that we have to have compassion and the love of Christ to forgive and let go. 
I come from a mess. I come from an extreme, extreme mess. Can you come up here, man? I forgot your name. I met you the other day, right? Yeah. I know. He's like, man, you're calling me up here. I don't know why you just got highlighted to me, so I was scanning. Just stand right here. He's like, I'm not going to make you preach. All right, what's your name? Sean. Sean. This is Sean, everybody. Everybody give it up, Sean. I'm going to give you a couple things here, but this is the first one. Sean is no more Sean. Now you're Jesus. So just stand right here. You're good, Jesus. Everybody see Jesus? All right. But, you know, sometimes we use that excuse, you know, what kind of mess I'm in, what things you have done and everything, and how do I get there? And we want to wait. We literally do. We, well, I'll start doing what Jesus did and be with Jesus once I fix myself. That's never going to happen because you can't do it. We can't fix ourselves. We can't make ourselves better. It literally takes a move of the Holy Spirit inside of us to make us want to be better, to make us want to be there. Salvation is this, is an encounter with the Holy Spirit drawing you in. It's making you want to say, oh, where I'm at is not where I need to be. See, I was in that mess where God pulled me out of. I'm just going to give you a little bit of an a, um, explanation of it, whatever, just to give you a little bit. Where God pulled me out of was I was a, such a bad mess when I set up a distribution line across Mexico to the United States that um, in the area that I was living in, they found a torso of a body. I was number one suspect. And I was so arrogant about it, I remember telling Trooper Hooper is what I called him. His last name was Hooper. I told him that, one, if I did it, you wouldn't be able to prove it. Two, I'll have someone else do it so you can't pin it on me. Three, you don't have anything on me, so I'm walking off. I was in a mess. Now, I didn't kill him. I didn't do that. So y'all know everybody like started freaking out. But I was in a mess, a mess of life. And what, what took me and changed me in this, in that forgiveness of this, I knew who God was. I had felt like God abandoned me. I left God. I ran away from God because I thought God abandoned me. I'm out here. Jesus is over there. I know where Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. Have you been there? Sometimes in our Christian realms, we call it backslidden. I was gone running away from God. I went back to the old life. I went back to the family life. I went back to my mess. But God said, just focus on me. I got in a wreck I, um, over 85 miles an hour anyway. and almost died. But I didn't have any injuries. I was actually out the car. No one can explain it. My druggy friends were like, dude, you have angels. I'm like, whoa, what? I'm at, at that time, I was up against five felony accounts. I was going to prison. I had one kidney fell, and I was dying. But when my drunk, drugged up friends said, you have angels, it clicked. And I remember, God is with me. And I remember leaving. I went and went to this back room of my father's house. Long story short, I said, God, I'm all in. Doesn't matter where you're at in your mess. I'm all in. What does that mean? You have whatever I have. I have this. I have felonies. I have drug addictions. I have alcohol addictions. I have, this is what I have, God. Are you there? Like, what, what, what do I have? And know what? It's not like God said, okay, wait, wait till you have the alcohol gone. Wait till you, you know, you get rid of this. No, just focus on Jesus. Look to my son. 
I started looking to Jesus in that mess. As I'm looking to Jesus, Holy Spirit's drawing me in. And I start getting rid of some of that stuff. One is God, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, call up some of your old friends um, from that youth group you went to back then. And I called up them, and they had an extra room I could rent out. And then I started renting out. Before you knew it, I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm not doing alcohol anymore because I'm focused on Jesus. That stuff is falling off of me because I'm just following where he's telling me to go. Whatever I have, every moment I have, every day that I have, I just slowly start focusing on Jesus. You know, even, even after I got out of that mess, it was literally within six months I was in ministry. Like, focusing on Jesus could get more and get us above our problems and shake off all that mess, but also get us to the place where we know where we're supposed to be and he could use us. Even when I was farther out, and I'm not even, like, you know, even close to what God wants me to be, I'm still a little bit of a mess. And, you know, smoke cigarette here and there and, you know, whatever. And, you know, I get a little bit upset, so I go grab myself a 40 and sit on the docks, you know. I mean, like, seriously, I'm sitting in that, like, there, and then, then you know, you're like, well, I'm, I'm leading the, you know, use, uh, the young adults. They call it singles ministry back then. I'm leading that, you know, at this big church, but, you know, then I might hit a 40. It's like, oh, where's Jesus? Oh, wait, uh, I'm over here. Please forgive me, Lord. What do you have? Oh, God. And before you know it, all that stuff started falling off. All that junk started falling off. And even all my friends and my family, like something's changing you. My brothers call me the white sheep of the family. Like, seriously, I'm completely different, you know, and completely changed because I'm focusing on Christ. When you focus on Jesus, you can walk on the waters. The storm around you has no business with you. And you all this stuff is completely washed away. You're walking away, and you're walking towards what you're supposed to do, walking towards your destiny. And as you get closer and closer to Jesus, you start feeling the presence more, and you start getting more in tune with what he's called you to as he equips you and trains you and puts you under leadership. And God put me under great leadership in a plant church, in a small church, in a small town where they used to drive, ride horses into the building and shoot up the building because it was a saloon back in the day. And we we're just sharing the love of Jesus there. And it was a perfect place for me because across the street, there's a drunk hall that where they get drunk every night. And on Wednesday nights, the drunks would come in and I know drunks and I could minister to them. It was perfect where God lined me up. And if you keep on focusing on me, what's going to happen is people stop seeing you. They start seeing Jesus. They don't see the old. People now, when they, when they find out where I've been and things I've done, there's like, there's no way you could have been that. Because they see Jesus. They don't see the old me. They don't see that old man that has been buried and has been left in the grave. And I've been raised up again in Christ as a new creation. You know, my brother, you can go sit down. Appreciate you. As a new creation, yeah, give it up, Sean, right? Sean, thank you. You understand what I'm saying here? Like, we, we think we have to make ourselves ready. No, what do you have? I'm going to give you one last demonstration. I know we're over on time, but then I'm going to pray for you if you stand up. If I could get um, Joseph, Guy, and um, Hunter up here. I'm going to pick on them there. Um, yeah, Joseph, come on up here. Guy and Hunter. Do, do you get this? Are you seeing this? What do you have? And, and we, we sometimes we let the enemy stop us because of our past or our situation. Come on up on stage. Give it up for these guys. Amazing servants of the Lord. Hunter's like, what are we doing? 
It's kind of funny. Hunter's like me when I was his age. I didn't want to speak in front of people. All right, let's see how we're going to do this. Okay. All right, just spread out, put your arms like this. I love doing this to people. Thank you, brother. I didn't do this to you, so, you know, like, I mean, like, all right, this is Brother Gee right here. He's changing now. He's a thief. How you doing? This is Hunter. He's changing now. This is now Jesus. And this is the murderer thief on the other side, <laughs> Joseph. All right, so they're on the cross. Are you going with me here? We're, we're, this is the, the, the moment on the cross after the crucifixion. This is, I mean, at the crucifixion, this is where they're on the cross. This is after the beating and the lashing of Jesus. This is where he has to press up on the very nail in his ankles to get a breath. That's why they did it. They did it where he had to be in pain to breathe. It's a horrible pit, pain place. Jesus was just betrayed, beaten, hung up on a cross next to these criminals. We think sometimes we're so disqualified that Jesus won't even look at us. Or he's got other people that are more important than us to talk to. That is the wrong mentality. That is the lie from the enemy. You are to die for because he loves you. He sees you. And as Jesus is up there in this pain, in this anguish, he's getting mocked by this guy. If you are the son of God, if you're the king of the Jews, can you hear him? That's his real voice. If you're the king of the Jews, why don't you get yourself down? Right? And this guy's like, shut up. Don't you know who you're talking to? Don't you know who this is? He says, Lord, remember me when you're in paradise. Jesus, in this pain, in this moment, looks at him and says, surely I tell you today, you will be with me. Paradise. He forgave him. Right there on the cross, in his sin, in his mess, and said, yes, you today are forgiven and redeemed. Right where you're at. Come on, gentlemen, you can sit down. Everybody stand. Right where you're at, you can be redeemed. Right where you're at, God can take you and place you where you can start being used. Right where you're at. All you have to do is, God, this is all I have. That's all I went with. It's, it's literally this happened, um, gosh, I can't even think of the year, 96 I, I went to God, this is all I have. I have my felonies, I have my drugs, I have my alcohol. Take it, God. And every day, I call it my all-in moment. Every day I said, God, I'm all in. Every day I said, God, I don't care if I live or die because I was dying. I don't care if I go to prison. I was heading to prison. I'm going to live for you today. You know what God does with something like that? An all-in mentality that this is everything. I will change everything, drop everything. I did. I dropped all my friends. I moved. I did whatever God told me to do. I went down that road because I knew, I knew that he loved me, that he was calling me out of my mess, and I could rise up if I focused on Jesus. And I started rising up in it. My 
attorney, which is a family criminal attorney, he's really good. He can make most things go away. But he had told me, you're going to prison. They got two years of investigation on you. You're going to prison. They actually set this up right because I was arrogant. Anyway, they set it up right. They had everything they needed. And he calls me up one day. I'm, I'm doing what God told me to do, and I'm where I'm at, where I'm supposed to be. I'm ministering. He calls me up, and, I, and the name comes up on the phone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, here's Tony. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, where, what's up? Thinking that I'm getting the court date that I'm going to, that I will go to prison. Because that's what he told me was going to happen. And he's, I was like, you know, what's the date? He's like, I don't know what to tell you. But I just got a call and they dropped the case. What? Now get this. He said all the evidence disappeared. It was gone. They couldn't find it. Now I don't know what happened. Maybe an officer got a little bit you know, greedy with some of that or it just angel came and took it and buried it in the grave. I don't know what happened, but I do know I was focused on my Lord and Savior. I was focused on Jesus, and he was redeeming me and lifting me up out of that pit and said that, you know what, you can rise out of this if you follow me, and I started following him. I'm still alive today. That's the story for tonight. Put your hands out. Number one, I want to start with this, forgiveness. If you're dealing with something that you're holding yourself back because you're not good enough or you can't, you, you hear those words from a family member, you hear those words um, over you that the enemy's speaking because of what you've done, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, Jesus paid for it. It can be forgiven by right now, right in this place, right in this moment. You could just say, God, please forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I see you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I give my life to you. I am all in. Tell him. You don't have to, I don't have to have you come up front. If you want to come up front, come up front. I'm just telling you, do whatever you got to do right here in this moment because this is a moment in time that can shift your life. It could change your life from that time I did that until now. Literally, God has shifted my life, taking me around the world to preach the good news and gospel that he can use you because if he can use a donkey like me, he can use you. I'm telling you. Just lift it up to him. No, God, I slid in a way. Tell him I want to go back. Help me, Jesus. Whatever it is, give it up to him. If you need to forgive somebody, you can start right here. I forgave my mother and my father at the altar first. And then I went and forgave them in person later. Do it with the Holy Spirit. You need to forgive yourself. Boy, that was a hard one. To actually think I had anything worth forgiveness. Oh, Jesus, he showed me his love. Said, yes, you need to be forgiven. Forgive yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because he'll forgive you. Jesus will forgive you. He died for it. All of it. Every sin. Every bit of mess he died for. Father God, I pray right now that the blood of Jesus will wash away the hindrances, the sin, 
the uh, negative spoken words, the word curses over all your people, literally be washed and broken right now by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the forgiveness of the cross, will set your people free so they're not captives anymore to their situation, to the sin, to the junk of this world, but they can start focusing on your son and walking away from that, that you'll lead them out of the darkness, that you'll lead them out of the wilderness, that you'll lead them out of the desert into the promised land where you call them to the destiny that you call them to that is blessed and highly favored children of God. Father God, take your people and wash them. Let them feel the power of love. The waves of your love completely come upon them here today. Father God, that there's something shifting. There's something changing that there's alignment happening so that they can really feel the presence, to feel the, 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 the love that you have for them, Father God. Let them feel it. And Father, I pray for boldness to come upon your people. Boldness to be able to say, this is what I have, God. Whatever you have, this is it. This is all. It might just be you and your mess. It might be a little bit of money and a little bit of time, whatever it is. And that they will give it to you, Father God. And that we thank you for what little that they have. We thank you for what they give you, Father God. And I say, bless it in the name of Jesus Christ and multiply it. Multiply their resources. Multiply their time. Multiply their efforts. Multiply their boldness. Multiply their energy, Father God, so they can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And just as you said, Jesus... Just as the Father has sent Jesus, he's sending you. And in the very next statement there, he blew on them and they're empowered. <laughs> empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need to overcome, to walk out of, and be an answer. God has called you, he has sent you, and the Holy Spirit empowers you to go and do the work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and your time. So I went over. Amen. Come on. I just want to make a pitch for uh, tonight. Uh, if you know anything about uh, church history... <clears throat> We, we tend to not value the people that are within our own generation. And everybody's like, oh, if I was around when Smith Wigglesworth was around, Smith Wigglesworth was universally hated in the era in which he lived. He was not accepted. They, they didn't like him. Now we look back and we think, oh, that's such a glorious time. If you know anything about like, how God did movements throughout time, a lot of times we overlook what's right in front of us. Uh, Marcus has been mentored and whom he, someone who he considers his spiritual father by uh, Dr. Randy Clark. We don't know anything about Dr. Randy Clark. Uh, he, he runs Global Awakening. And just a little bit about him, um, he spent his life as a Baptist pastor, received the Holy Spirit, everything changed, and then made a commitment. And really, to me, I mean, Randy's a lot of things, but, I mean, but one of the things I admire most about him is his commitment to press in uh, for healing and to pull on earth as it is, right? That's what it's all about. And so Randy has, um, in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, and definitely 21st century, and I would even throw 20th century up there. I don't know how long he's been going for it, but definitely in the 21st century, he's been the strongest inbreaker as far as healing is, in, in my opinion. So many ministries have been influenced through him and by him, and so much of what the church is actually doing, if it's doing anything at all, 
with healing um, is, is a, a direct influence from either Randy's, what Randy's discovered. How many knows it's R&D, right? Research and development. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, it, you know, research and development. Jesus says, to you it has been given to understand the mysteries of this kingdom. There are things that we're called to press into. The church thinks they know everything. You don't know everything. Pastors think they know everything. You don't know everything. You know some things, but you don't know everything. Rule one of kingdom powers, you know nothing. The Holy Spirit knows everything. <laughs> and so the, through research and development and pressing and trying and pressing and trying and let's try this and let's try that, he starts seeing all of these inbreakings and he starts seeing all of these miracles come. And again, so you know, seven out of ten, you, you guys need to be aware of this, seven out of ten evangelical American churches do not believe in healing. Let me say it again. Seven out of ten churches in the country in which you live do not believe in healing. And if they do, they believe that God just heals randomly because he was in a good mood that day. They don't understand it. They give no thoughts to it. 50% of your Bible is encounter. Half of your Bible is encounter. Not doctrine, encounter, experiential, right? So how can we think that God, would God just stop letting experiences happen when half the book is, is experiential? Randy Clark's an inbreaker. I want to encourage you to come tonight. Marcus spent a lot of time with Randy been on a lot of trips with Randy, probably seen a lot of crazy stuff with Randy. And so uh, we're believing God for some crazy stuff tonight. What, what, you know, let's go. I mean, we see miracles. We see healing all the time. You know, we press into it. We go for it. That's why we bring him here. Try to bring somebody that's in the same lane that we're in, you know, and speaks the same language that we speak. So I want to challenge you to come tonight. Come expecting. Go find somebody that's got some pain in their body, that's got some issues with themselves, and bring him. Say with me, Jesus, come on, Jesus always does something. Always. He will always do something. So tonight we're going to have worship. We have the full team. So all y'all out there, they're going, we need to have a worship night. You have one tonight. We need to do ministry night. You have one tonight. All right, say with me, no excuses. Uh, don't you go complaining. Nobody prays for you. You're going to be prayed for tonight. They'll pray for you. All right. they, these, guys, these guys are hardcore. They're, they're hardcore. My, my rule is, is like, boy, I didn't even have to put these guys through the paces. They just do it. People that come here, and they want to come here and speak, I'm very, very particular about how I do it. But one of the first things I do is I was like, you're going to minister to these people. And, you know, and, and if I don't see or feel or believe that they have a heart to minister and serve the people, well, they might get a one-off, but I'll never see them again. You know? And these guys, I don't even have to do that. That's how they are. I mean, Marcus yesterday was like hardcore. He's like, I don't care. I'll pray for you. I'm like, really? It's like, we're already two hours over. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, but he's, he's going for it. So he was like off the chart. So you will be prayed for tonight. If you have healing and you need somebody that needs healing, and you, let's, let's just go for it. If you, don't lay, if you believe God for nothing, what are you going to get? Don't be falling asleep on me. If you believe God for nothing, what are you going to get? <laughs> That's right. Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If you don't lay hands on the sick, you're never going to see them recover. Understand? Don't be arrogant. Don't be egotistical to take your, your position in a prayer line. It's, again, a misnomer in the church. We fly around the country. We'll do the tour de force to find a doctor all around the country. Go anywhere and everywhere. Take whatever medicine, injections, medications that they'll give us. 
And most of the time, the medication only deteriorates the body. It doesn't really help the body. Jesus doesn't have a problem with doctors. He has a problem being second, right? We're Christians. We have the great physician. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. You know, I want to just, let's just go for it, and let's just see something happen. So come tonight. Come expecting. Come for encounter. God's going to do something. He's going to do something. So what's he going to do? I don't know. He's going to do something, right? I'll give you the last one, my last pitch, last pitch. I got a bunch of them, but I'll pull this one out too. John, John and Peter both said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This which we have seen, this which we have heard, this which we have handled concerning this word of truth. Peter said, I was an eyewitness of his majesty. I didn't just hear about this. I was there. I was a part of it. My hands were on it. My ears heard it. I watched it with my own eyes. Don't you want to be a part of that? Right? You'll stand in a hall of faith one day, Christian, and what will this generation sing? What will our generation be? I love the inspirational message. Take what you got and do something. Take what you got and do something. Just take what you got and do something. Right? Just do something. Bring, you know, do something. Ask the Lord. If you ask him, he'll, 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 he'll guide you. He will show you, Lord, I'm all in. What do you got for me today? You know, I want you to take Judy to lunch. Okay. And then what happens? I don't know. Nothing happened. I just took Judy to lunch. Right? I want you to give Judy. It's Judy's birthday. I want you to give her a birthday. I mean, I don't know what God's got for you, but he's got something for you. Do you all believe this? I got half the room. Do, we, do you all believe this? <laughs> this is a Miami church. This isn't a Michigan church. When I'm in Michigan, everybody's silent. They're the frozen chosen, literally. Hello, bless God. Hallelujah. This is Miami. We got no excuses, right? We're an outgoing people. We like a little singing, a little dancing, a little shouting, a little jumping around, right? Because we're in Miami. <laughs> it's a 305. Anyway, so come tonight. We bless you. Let me pray over you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Amen.